Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. Hey everyone, before we dive into this week's episode, we have a resource that we wanted to tell you about. Transform every week of yours with our brilliance bit that will deliver right to your email inbox. Sign up for it at brilliantlyresilient.net and keep living brilliantly resilient. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. We are here today with Dr. Debbie Silver. This is a really interesting show. I'm really anxious to get into this and explore this. Dr. Debbie Silver is the founder of the PBT, Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute, and is a holistic psychologist, a health mindset and personal development expert, and the author of Trust Again, and is also a two-time number one international best-selling author of The Unshakable Woman, gotta love that, and From Hardened to Healed. Her podcast, From Betrayal to Breakthrough, is also globally ranked within the top 1.5% of podcasts, and her recent PhD study on how we experience betrayal made three groundbreaking discoveries that changes how long it takes to heal. She's been on Fox, CBS, TEDx twice, and more, and she's an award-winning speaker and coach dedicated to helping people move past their betrayal as well as any other blocks preventing them from health, work, relationships, and confidence and happiness that they want most. Dr. Debbie Silver, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Looking forward to our conversation. As are we. Um, I just kind of want to jump right into this. I, I know we've all experienced so much trauma within the last couple of years. But I don't think we think of it in terms of betrayal, even though that's probably one of the most, the deepest, long lasting kinds of pain that we hang on to. So how did you come to recognizing that this was kind of an untapped area that you had to help people navigate? Yeah, well, I don't think anybody says, oh, betrayal, let me just take on that topic. No, <laughs> you study because you have to. It's it's my 30th year in business. And, and as life would change, so would business. So I was in health and then mindset and then personal development. I had a, a really painful betrayal from my family, thought I did everything I needed to do to heal from that. And then it happened again a few years later. This time it was my husband. So that was the deal breaker. Got him out of the house and, and looked at the two experiences thinking, okay, well, what's similar to these two? To. Of course, I'm you know me, but what else? And I realized, you know, I never took my needs seriously. Boundaries were always getting crossed. And I'm one of those people that that really believe if nothing changes, nothing changes. So here I was, four kids, six dogs, a thriving business, and I decided I'm going back for a PhD. Like a book wasn't getting me out of this jam. I needed a whole PhD in it. And it was in uh, transpersonal psychology, the psychology of transformation and human potential. And because I was changing so much, I didn't quite understand it. He was too, wasn't ready to look at that. And then it was time to do a study. So I studied betrayal. What holds us back? What helps us heal? And what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive? That study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my family, my health, my work, my life. 
Wow. And, and those, like, I almost caught my breath when you said, you know, about when those closest to mm-hmm. us, because that's, that actually is at the core of betrayal. You know, if somebody that we don't know well, or don't even care about that much does something crappy, we just kind of go, oh, what a jerk, you know, <laughs> and, you, and you move on. Yeah. But when someone that you love does something that really hurts you, that, that, I can't imagine what you do to get rid of that or, or move through it. Cause I don't imagine you get rid of it. You, you know, you're so right because think about it. Trust is one of the most basic needs, a sense of safety and security. So when the person or the people who give us that sense of safety and security are the ones that shatter that sense of safety and security, it's traumatizing. Now, can you move through it? You can move through all of it. And that, I mean, that was the third discovery. I'm happy to go through all three of the discoveries. Yes, we definitely want to hit on all of that. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So the first one was, I was actually studying betrayal and post-traumatic growth. And for those who aren't familiar, post-traumatic growth, I kind of explain it as the upside of trauma, how that trauma, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, death of a loved one, disease, natural disaster, leaves you with a new awareness, insight, perspective that you didn't have. Maybe you lose someone you love, you realize, hey, life is short, that kind of thing. But I had been through death of a loved one and I'd been through disease. And I was like, nope, betrayal feels very different. I didn't want to assume it was the same for everyone else. So I asked all my study participants, if you've been through other traumas besides betrayal, does it feel different for you? Unanimously, they said, it feels so different and here's why because it feels so intentional we take it so personally so the whole Mm. self gets shattered and has to be rebuilt think about it rejection abandonment belonging confidence worthiness trust they're all trashed you know like when you lose someone you love you grieve you're sad you mourn the lost life will never be the same but you don't you don't question your very sanity you know, <laughs> right. It, yeah. You don't lose your ability to trust. So it needed its own, that type of healing needed its own term, which is now called post-betrayal transformation. That's the complete and total rebuild of your life and yourself after an experience with betrayal. So that betrayal is a very different type of trauma. That was the first discovery. Want me to get to the let second me, one? Let me just ask you, let me stop you there and ask you this. In terms sure. of the betrayal, I mean, all of that that you feel right and all of all of the hurt and the pain and all of the having to grow and get through it why then and maybe this is a whole nother episode and maybe you're going to get into this why do some people cycle through and then do that to other people like i'm thinking about in in my own life you know i understand that the wackadoodle was so mean and did all of the things because all that betrayal happened to him Mm -hmm. is it is it something that they learn and don't know how to unlearn or are they in full control and doing it anyway? You know, there are so many ways I can answer your question. One, one part of that is everything you're saying happens in this one particular stage of the process. All of it, all of it. Yeah. And that's the third discovery. Uh, But it has so much to do with our beliefs, so much to do with our belief systems. You know, what a belief is, is simply the repetition of an idea from someone you trust. 
doesn't make it good or bad, doesn't make it right or wrong, doesn't make it true, but it makes it yours. So if you were taught maybe, you know, like this is what you do, that's what you think. Or, you know, some, there are so many reasons why people betray. It could be their own way of handling their own trauma. For example, a lot of people who they were, let's say, abused in some way, they betray because this is the way that they exert control you see, or a sense of entitlement. I mean, it's endless why people do it, but mm -hmm. the other part of that is it happens in this one stage of healing that we see so often. Okay. Hmm. Now you've totally primed me that I cannot wait to hear the rest of this. Cause I'm yeah. like, okay. So, Let's so I'll get this. to this. Yeah. So the second discovery, this is something you, we see all the time. What was discovered was there's actually a collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional, so common to betrayal. It's known now as post-betrayal syndrome. Wow. We've had 80,000 plus, plus people take our post-betrayal syndrome quiz on our site to see to what extent they're struggling and a few things about that. The first thing is we've all been taught time heals all wounds. I have the proof that when it comes to betrayal, that's not true. There's a question on the quiz that says, is there anything else you'd like to share? People write things like, my betrayal happened 35 years ago, I'm unwilling to trust. My betrayal happened 40 years ago, I can still feel the hate. My betrayal happened 10 years ago, feels like it happened yesterday. So we know we can't count on time or a new relationship to heal it. It needs to be deliberate and intentional. And so many people think that time will heal it and that's why they have repeat betrayals, clear sign that it hasn't been healed. Um, but every few months I pull the stats from the quiz to see where people land. I'm happy to share them if that would help. So you see what betrayal does. Wow, yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay, so now imagine 80,000 plus people, men, women, just about every country's represented. 78% constantly revisit their experience. 81% feel a loss of personal power. 80% are hypervigilant. 94% deal with painful triggers. And those triggers can just debilitate you. The most common physical symptoms, 71% have low energy, 68% have sleep issues, 63% have extreme fatigue. That's how you know your adrenals have crashed. 47% have weight changes. So in the beginning, maybe you can't hold food down. Later on, you're using food for comfort. 45% have a digestive issue. And that could be anything from Crohn's, IBS, diverticulitis, constipation, diarrhea, you name it. The most common mental symptoms. 78% are overwhelmed. 70% are walking around in a state of disbelief. 68% can't focus. 64% are in shock. 62% can't concentrate. Now think about this. You can't concentrate. You have a gut issue. You're exhausted. You still have to raise your kids. Yep. You still have to work. That's not even the emotional ones. Emotionally, 88% experience extreme sadness. 83% are very angry. 82% feel hurt, 80% have anxiety, 79% are stressed, just a few more. Here's why I wrote the book, Trust Again. 84% have an inability to trust. That one killed me. 67% mm. are preventing themselves from forming deep relationships because they're afraid of being hurt again. 82% find it hard to move forward. 90% want to move forward, but they don't know how. Wow, that wow. that's Numbers devastating. Yeah, that that is that's just devastating. And it 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 just circles back to the fact that this is this is a systemic trauma. This is not a you know, this is not just you, you 
physically hurt yourself and you have to work your way back and all that kind of, this is a systemic trauma that affects every part of, I am guessing your identity. And betrayal actually lends itself to creating a new identity. You, because everything crashes and burns, you take the parts you love, you leave behind everything that no longer serves, and you create a version of you that never would have had the opportunity to be created how that, had that not happened. That gets to the third, that brings me to the third discovery. But just to wrap up uh, post-betrayal syndrome, what's even crazier about those numbers, you didn't hear me say anything, 15%, 25%. I mean, these numbers are high. What's even crazier is these numbers aren't from a recent betrayal. This could be from something your parent did when you were a kid. This could be from the girlfriend or boyfriend who broke your heart in high school. So think about this. That person may not know, care, remember. They may not even be alive. And here we are with these symptoms decades later because we don't intentionally do the work to heal. Wow. I mean, the good news is, like I said, we can heal from all of it. <laughs> so this is primal. I mean, this is, this is, I, I keep hearing what you're saying and the word safety keeps coming back into my, into my brain. And that is probably why people hang on to this because, you know, we don't necessarily recognize it, but our primary goal is to stay alive and to stay safe. Yeah. And in order to do that, we have to feel safe. So when you don't feel safe, I imagine at that level, you're constantly looking over your shoulder your whole life. Exactly. And think about it. If that's how you're walking around, is it any wonder why you have the relationships you do, why you do the work you do, why you act the way you do everything? I mean, you see why it is we live the way we do when we don't heal from this. So if it, this is always a big burning question for me. If a child is raised by a parent that is stuck in that, mm -hmm. are they able to break the cycle? They can, but it's, you know, it's something that, that this is why uh, our work, you know, within the Institute is really to get to those parents because they have such a profound impact on the kids. Now, let's say a parent's been betrayed and they learn how to move through the five stages from betrayal to breakthrough. That's the third discovery I'll share in a minute. Now what they're doing is they're teaching their kids to be resilient. They're showing them, yeah, mom may crash, but watch mom rise. It's a very different look than woe is me. This is what happens. Life stinks. This is the best you can hope for. Very different experience. So when, when kids see their parents going through that, uh, do they learn? Oh yeah, they learn a tremendous amount, but it, it creates, uh, really strong kids. And, and I would never say what a parent should do. My, uh, you know, we have it going on so many different ways within the PBT Institute, my own personal experience. Um, you know, my kids are stronger than ever, but they've been, it's like they've been through war together. And just to mm -hmm. close the loop on my story, rebuilding is always a choice, whether you rebuild yourself and move on. And that's what I did with my family wasn't an option to rebuild with them. Or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you rebuild something from the ground up new as two completely new people. That's what I did with my husband. So not long ago as two totally transformed people, um, we married each other again. Wow. Wow. 
That is, is, it really in, is, it, is it enough for a kid to thrive and be resilient? Will they will they do that if, if just one parent comes through transformed, even if the other one is still stuck in the cycle? You know, I, I, I've seen it so many different ways. It really, you know, it, it has so much to do. There are so many different circumstances sure. at play. But even if there's that one person, that one parent who really came through, if that parent represents the rock and the, the stability and trust that's a great role model yeah yeah interesting because i know a lot of people go through in my world of you know uh, being single now in my 50s that i do meet so many women that it's like we got to work through all this and doing the you know post-traumatic growth and all that but then when the other person that's raising co-parenting that's a mm -hmm. buzz trigger word for me but you know, and it's like, well, is that kid still going to make it through? Okay. And from, from most people that I talk to, it's as long as one, like you're giving it much better wording, the rock that had the transformation and rock solid in there. That makes way more sense to me than crossing your fingers that one of them will be yeah. strong enough. I like I, that. As I've always heard, you know, hope is not a strategy and I wouldn't count on that when it comes to the, the safety and well being of my kids. So yeah. is it a tremendous amount of work? Yeah. Is it worth it? Yeah. Yes. 100%, oh, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. So. so on the on the flip side of this, is someone who has been betrayed and traumatized in that way, do they maybe have a tendency to kind of self-sabotage other relationships that could potentially be good for them and come their way because they're afraid of or they're projecting things that happened before onto a new relationship or a situation or a person because it seems to be a pattern that can repeat on on both sides of that yes the betrayer that and the betrayed yeah the pattern happens in one specific spot in the five stages from betrayal to breakthrough which was the third discovery happy to share that if so this Please way do. Yeah, yeah, this is fascinating by yeah. all means. So this to me was the most exciting out of all three of the discoveries. And what we learned was while we can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime, and most people do, if we're going to fully heal and by fully heal, I mean symptoms of post-betrayal syndrome, like I just shared to that completely rebuilt place of post-betrayal transformation, we will go through five now proven predictable stages. And what's even more exciting about that is we know what happens physically, mentally, and emotionally at every one of those stages. And we know what it takes to move from one stage to the next. Healing is entirely predictable. Wow. And happy to share the five stages if you want to I'm, hear them. I'm, oh, yes. I'm We're on all here. My sheep seat. <laughs> it would be really awkward if you said no. <laughs> we so, never say no to good information ever. Okay. So please deliver that. All right. They're all mapped out in trust again. It's what all of our coaches are certified in. It's what we do within mm -hmm. the PBT Institute. But here's a boil down version for you. So stage one is before it happens. And if you can imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. What I saw with every study participant, me too, was a real heavy lean on the physical and the mental thinking and doing and kind of neglecting or ignoring the emotional and the spiritual feeling and being. So imagine a table with only two legs. It's easy for that table to topple over. That's us. 
Stage mm. two, shock, trauma, D-Day, discovery day. The scariest of all of the stages. This is the breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. You just got your news right here. You've ignited the stress response. You're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete state of chaos and overwhelm. You can't wrap your mind around what you just learned. This makes no sense. And your worldview has just been shattered. Your worldview is your mental model, the rules that govern you, that prevent chaos. Trust this person. This is how life works. Don't go there. And in one earth shattering moment, every belief you've been holding to be real and true is no longer. The bottom has bottomed out on you and a new bottom hasn't been formed yet. This is terrifying. That's the scary. That's the scary part. Like it's yes. the bottomless pit of, oh my God. That's it. That's the shock right there. But think about it. If the bottom were to bottom out on you, and that's why stage two is the scariest stage. If the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You'd grab hold of anything you could to stay safe and stay alive. That's stage three. Survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical out of all of the mm. stages. If you can't help me, get out of my way. How do I survive this experience? Where do I go? Who can I trust? How do I feed my kids? Here's the trap though. This is what we were talking about. Stage three, by far, hands down, is the most common place we get stuck. And here's mm. why. Once we've figured out how to survive our experience, because it feels so much better then the shock and trauma of where we just came from, we think it's good. We're like, okay, I got this. And because we don't know there's anywhere else to go, transformation doesn't even begin until stage four. Mm. But because we don't know there's anywhere else to go, we start planting roots here. We start, you know, just settling down here. We're not supposed to, but we don't know that. And four things happen. The first thing is we start getting all these small self benefits from being here. Think about it. These are people you know. You get your story. You get to be right. You get a target for your anger. You get sympathy from everyone you tell your story to. You know, you don't have to do the hard work of learning how to trust again. Do I trust you? Should I trust you? I forget it. I'm not trusting anybody. So you plant deeper roots. Again, you're not supposed to, but you don't know that. And now because you're here longer than you should be, the mind starts doing things like, well, maybe you're not all that great. Maybe you deserved it. Maybe this, maybe that. So you plant deeper roots right? You're, again, you're here mm -hmm. longer than you should be, but you don't know that. Now, because this is where you are and these are the thoughts you're thinking, this is the energy you're putting out, right? Well, like energy attracts like energy. So to answer your question from earlier, now you're calling situations and circumstances and relationships towards mm -hmm. to confirm, yup, this is the best you can hope for. This is where you belong. It gets mm -hmm. worse, but I'll get you out of here. Because, because <laughs> Thank God, I'm starting to sweat. <laughs> yeah, I'll get you right out into transformation. Because it feels so bad, but you don't know there's anywhere else to go, right here you resign yourself. You're like, this stinks, but I have to get through my day. Like, I have to feed my kids. I have to work. So right here is where you start using food, drugs, mm. alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, whatever it is just to numb, avoid, and distract yourself from what's so painful to feel and face. So think about this. You do it for a day, a week, a month, now it's a habit, a year, right. 10 years, 20 years. And I can seriously see someone 20, 30 years out and say, that emotional eating you're doing, or that numbing in front of the TV, do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? And they would look at me like I have two heads. They see it happened 20 years ago. All they did 
was put themselves in stage three and stay there. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then create the habits to keep them there. Yeah. That survival spot that just, that just, I survived. And this is where I got to stay that kind of white knuckled hanging on. That's it. And that's why they stay there for life. Life stinks. They don't feel well. They don't look well. They have the worst relationships. They're not happy in their work. Nothing is good. All they're doing is surviving. That's why I wrote from hardened to healed, you know, trust again had the five stages, but I was like, everybody's finding themselves in stage three. What the heck you owe it to yourself to move through anyway, by far the most common place we get stuck. Most people land there and stay there. And that's where repeat betrayals happen too. Wow. Because you're like, this is terrible. I'm so heartbroken. I just want this feeling to go away. So you just keep finding an energetic match to that. That's the, that's why, you know, we keep going, whether it's going back to that same person or going back to someone different, you know, it's the same, it's the same us we're bringing into it until Mm. and unless we move through the rest of the stages. Take me to four. Take me to four. Yeah. Okay. I know I'm uncomfortable hanging out in three for too long. It's also, we don't want to get stuck there. No, I want to get stuck in three. No. So, okay. If you are willing, willingness is a huge thing right here. Willing to let go of the small self benefits, grieve more than the loss, bunch of things you need to do. You move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. So here's where you acknowledge, I can't undo what happened but I control what I do with it. Right there in that decision, you turn down the stress response. You're not healing just yet, but at least you stop the massive damage you'd been Mm -hmm. creating in stages two and stage three. Stage four feels like if you've ever moved, if you've ever moved to a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever, all your stuff isn't there. It's not quite cozy yet, but you're like, okay, okay, we can do this. It feels like that. But here's the thing. This is what's so interesting to stage four. If you were to move right to somewhere new, you wouldn't bring everything with you. You don't bring the things that don't represent what you've outgrown. You know, what doesn't represent who you want to be in your new space. And what I found was if your friends weren't there for you right here is where you've outgrown them. You don't take them with you. People say to me all the time, what the heck? I've had these friends 10, 20, 30 years. Is it me? Yes, it is. You're undergoing a transformation. And if they don't rise, they don't come. Because right here, it's like all of a sudden you're like, ah, gossiping just doesn't work for me anymore. Or wow, that's a one-sided relationship. Mm, no, you get very discerning. Lots of friendship changes in that one spot. Anyway, when you're in stage four, you're making it cozy. You're making it mentally home. You move into the fifth, most beautiful stage. And this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. The body starts to heal. Self-love, self-care, eating well, exercise, things like that. You didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier. You were surviving. Now you do. The mind is healing. You're making new rules. You're making new boundaries based on the road you just traveled. And you have a new worldview based on everything you see so clearly now. And the four legs of the table, in the beginning, it was all about the physical and the mental. By this point, we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. Wow. You know, your words and this, I love this idea of of five and and giving us a walk through that because I can see, I can see why everybody, so many people get stuck in three because everyone's like, survive this. I'm a survivor. I'm a survivor. I'm a survivor. But then it's that movement into thriver and it is so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But there aren't a lot of people that are going to chit chat with you about that. 
Exactly. And then you start to feel a little bit like, oh, then they start going, well, who does she think she is? You know, like, wait a minute. We're all happy right here still bitching about what we just went through and high-fiving each other. It, you're so right. And this is why I tell people all the time, the wrong type of support does more harm than good. Because think mm -hmm. about it. People go to, like, let's say a support group. And now think about what happens. When you start healing, you're actually outgrowing your group right or even if you you have your people down at this one level and then or even let's say it's a it's a a partner right a romantic partner and now you're healing do you know how often i will see someone sabotage their healing because they don't want to outgrow that person who betrayed them they would rather stay yeah. in the safety of the familiar and known even though that means more betrayal because it's familiar but yeah. you know, venturing into that unknown is where transformation begins. But because it's unknown, because it's unfamiliar, they opt for the safety and they stay in three for life. It it sounds like um, they're not willing to step back out onto shaky ground. Exactly. And anytime anytime we are rebuilding, and as you you so clearly pointed out, that that can mean leaving some things and some people and all that behind. First of all, I think there's a part of you that thinks, well, maybe it's me if I have to get rid of people. Maybe I'm not maybe I'm not good enough. I mean, I think there's always that self-blame somewhere along the way. Like you said, either you deserved the betrayal or if you are in this more solid place and it's still happening to you, it must be you, you know, with with newer people. And that idea of stepping away from what is still known, even though it's not good for you. That's got to be terribly frightening when you finally feel like, okay, you know, you're not, you're not going up and down. You're on a little bit of, of an even keel. That's got to be a really difficult transition from that three to four place. It, it, it is. And that's exactly why most people stay stuck. And, and, you know, we have so many people also coming into the PBT Institute with therapy trauma. It could be the most well-meaning therapist, but if anything is going to glue you to stage three, it's unpacking your story over and over and oh, over and over again without a plan to move forward. What we also see is sometimes if that well if that therapist counselor whoever is not highly skilled in betrayal it does way more harm than good because they could like here's a typical scenario we see all the time let's say it's a very charming you know narcissist narcissist gaslighter you know and this counselor is really savvy on that with with that well then the counselor let's just say looks at the person who's been betrayed and says well you know if you just communicate more hmm or with something right. like that. And so it's one of these, things. then if that, if the person who's been betrayed doesn't really understand and they trust what this person's saying, they say, oh my gosh, it must be me. Okay, what can I do to be better for this person? Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, it has nothing to do with them. Yeah. So, yeah. so how yeah. do you get to a place where you can put this into some kind of a perspective, especially if this is like your family of origin or whatever, like the people who are supposed to be there for, you know, your family, your friends are great, but your family will do anything for you. How do you get from a place where you can distance yourself enough from that and then find people that you trust that you may have to be cultivating from the complete unknown? 
Like that would be another thing I'd be looking at like, yeah, I don't know enough about you. And I probably never will. So nope. Like I could see being very isolated in that space. Well, you know, and and transformation, it's not a lonely process. It's a very personal process. And one of the things that happens is because trust is shattered, one of the greatest aspects of that trust is self-trust totally shattered because think about it then we're like why did i not see how did i not know where was i so think about this we lose trust in the betrayer because the person we trusted the most proved untrustworthy and then we're like well i can't even trust myself because where was i and then we say if i can't trust the person i trusted the most and i don't trust myself well how in the world can i trust in anything or anyone so one of the most important things is we need to regain and relearn that trust in ourselves because when we do, we get that that ability back to discern, is someone telling the truth? Are they, are they congruent in their thoughts, behaviors, actions? If something doesn't feel right, it's probably because it isn't. You know, our gut is like so much more perceptive than our mind, but we let our minds talk us out of everything. So it's a complete relearning. And people say to me all the time, can trust be repaired? I say, no. Can it be rebuilt? Yeah. It takes a lot of work, but you can absolutely uh, rebuild it. I mean, I did it. You know, our coaches, our members. Yeah. I love that. Starting with yourself. So important. So I love it. Tell me the name of the book again. Yeah, well, uh, the the two that we're really talking about, Trust Again, uh, that has the five stages. It has my story, my study participant story. And if you are just stuck in stage three, From Hardened to Healed. Um, And we could be in stage three, not even from a traumatic betrayal. It could be from a set of limiting beliefs. It could be something as simple as this. Let's say you were a little kid and you had earth shattering news to share with your mom and you run into the kitchen and she's on the phone and she shushes you right there at that very moment. You could have made that mean I'm not important. I don't matter. So now you fuel that you keep that going. You have a new belief over time. I don't matter. I'm not important. And then, you know, your, your mind's like, oh, I didn't realize you want this playing all day. I'll just put this in your subconscious, you know, go on with your day. And now we have this underlying belief that we keep feeding all day long of I don't matter, I'm not important. So now think about it, right? What we feed grows. So think about if you really believe um, or feel I'm not important, I don't matter. Well, look at every choice you'd make because of that. That would keep you right in stage three. So it really can be just from an interpretation. Wow. So there has to be a constant willingness for self-evaluation and and self-awareness and um you know maybe a recognition to go back to that place even when you were little and go yeah my mom didn't mean that you know like i i know that as i've gotten older and to, and to maybe incorporate those experiences that as you get a little older you can look back and see if maybe your interpretation wasn't exactly spot on, you know, because my kids, of course, always thought I was completely insane when I lost my mind and was screaming and yelling at them. And now that all three of them have kids, they're like, I get it. Like, I see it now. (laughs) I see what you meant. Um, This has been an amazing conversation. I'm sure that we could go on and on and on, but um, I do want everybody to know where they can find out more about you and the books and where everything's available. Everything is at the pbtinstitute.com. The PBT as in post-betrayal transformation. The pbtinstitute.com. 
Awesome. This has been so I can't wait to dive into the books. And I, I, I'm like, at first I thought, oh, maybe I'm still in three. No, I'm in four. I'm like excited to, to dive in a little more and see a little more. And I can, I can like envision that it would be really cool to have a, a group of women that are, are working through some of this stuff into transformation. Because I'm thinking like, this is such the tribe pillar of Brilliantly Resilient when you have these people around you that want, everybody wants to rise and helping each other in that way, instead of staying in, the conversations of suck. Oh, that could be a book. Don't be in the conversations of suck. Transform. You're so, yeah, you're so right. I mean, that's why everything within the Institute is what the research proved we need to heal. Yeah. So even the support we have in there is just like our community is to lift and inspire. It's not the ain't it awful club because that'll just keep you stuck. And, and what's the it. point? People come in at stage two, stage three, there's a roadmap to get them to four to five and beyond, and then they graduate. I mean, that's the whole awesome. idea, right? Just getting through it. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Okay, I got to stop because I'm going to end up talking to you more, and then we're way over time. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you to everybody that's listening. Go to brilliantlyresilient.net. Make sure that you sign up for the brilliance bit because when this one comes to your inbox, you're going to want to read it with this episode. Plus, you get the episode sent right to you as soon as it's released. So sign up for at brilliantlyresilient.net and we'll see you all next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.